Authors on the Air. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm Terry Shepard. Audiobooks remain the fastest growing platform in publishing. If you're going to have success as an author, cracking the code to get your words narrated is part of the challenge. It is said that a good narrator can make a good story great, and a bad narrator can turn off the listener to the most eloquent verse. Our guest today is one of those audio magicians who transforms words on a page into compelling audio publications. She's Katrina Medina, and her range spans a variety of age demographics with a few character voices thrown in for good measure. She's narrated over 400 books in just about every conceivable genre. And here's a sample. The world nearly ended in 2044. Less than 30 years later, the survivors on Earth launched seven great colony ships to seed humanity to other planets. Those ships were not heard from again. A century later, the only place people are known to survive on Earth is Dome 17. Beth and Alan live there. They are adventurers who have explored other domes, but everywhere else is dead. Is Dome 17 just the last one to fail? The committee has a risky plan to try two unproven technologies, a faster-than-light propulsion and teleportation. Both technologies have severe limits, but time is running out for Dome 17. Katrina Medina, welcome to Authors on the Air. Thank you for inviting me here. I'm so excited. How did you learn the craft? That's just how I've always read, you know, out loud. I've, I've got a young son and I've been reading out loud to him since he was a newborn. And that's just how I've always been, you know, enthusiastic about it and, and tried to really get into the story. And that's actually what I was doing one day where my husband, who would listen to audiobooks, overheard me reading to our son. And he's the one who just kind of planted that little seed in my head and said, why don't you look into how to do this? And it was not something I had ever thought about, ever considered. And I don't know, it just, this curiosity started blooming. So that's when I just started doing some research and thought, okay, well, how do I get into this? How do people become narrators? And that's when I had stumbled across ACX and I set up a profile, set up a couple audio samples. I bought myself a microphone that I found on clearance. I used an old laptop because I thought, well, if this doesn't go anywhere, I don't want to, you know, have put too much money in, into this if it, you know, doesn't take off. And not 24 hours after my first couple of auditions, I had two contracts for children's books. Those were the, the, two, the two first books that I, I narrated. And I was just in shock. And I thought, oh, oh my gosh. Well, you know, even if this doesn't go anywhere else, I've left my mark. I've done it. I would have never imagined that that was the start of something so much bigger for me. What year was that? Uh, that was the summer of 2018. Do you have a theater background? I did high school drama for one year. That was about it. But I mean, it was always something. It was always my favorite class got a couple of awards out of it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm a very dramatic person, very theatrical, just in everyday life. So it just, it really uh, meshed well with my personality. 
How long did it take for you to build the volume to the point where you really started to rock and roll in the audiobook business? Um, well, I want to say I did it for maybe a little bit over a year just as a side hobby. Uh, I was working in a grocery store. And, you know, so I had really odd, um, inconsistent hours. So I could only record on my days off. Um, so, it, you know, I wasn't getting a whole lot done um, for, for a good amount of time where I only had a handful of books because, you know, just time wasn't allowing it. What ended up happening was about a year later, about uh, the spring of 2019, a neighbor of mine had actually offered me a job where he was going to be starting a small business. And when I did the math and what he told me he'd pay me, I thought, well, that's more than I'm making at the grocery store. So I put my two weeks in at the grocery store. And about a week later, that same neighbor told me that uh, things weren't working out with his small business. And I panicked because I thought, I've, I've already left my job. I've already given them my notice. What do I do? So I, I thought, okay, I have just enough money in my bank account to carry me for a couple months, you know, as long as there's no extra spending, no, no splurging on anything. It's only the necessities. And I just started pumping out auditions on ACX. And I think within the first week of me leaving my job, I had done about 10 auditions and received nine offers back. Describe the audition process. So I would go on there. And at one point I was really just trying to take anything I could get because, you know, starting out and, you know, not really having my name out there. I just thought I'm, I got to get something. So, but I still thought I, I still want to find something that I, I know I would enjoy because I know if I'm not enjoying the story, I probably won't perform it well. Um, So I was still being somewhat picky and, and looking at the books and the descriptions of what they were about and thought, okay, this sounds like a good story. I like this story. So I would download the audition script, uh, you know, read over it once and then, and then record it just to get a, a feel for what was going on in the scene. And, you know, just say a prayer, hit submit and, you know, hope, hope to hear something back. <laughs> and it happened. It did. And out of those uh, nine offers that I got back, there are at least two two authors from that original audition boom that I did that I still I still continue to work with to this day. Um, actually, one of the authors that you you played in the the intro um, for the Colony Ships stories, I, I still work with him. I've done more Colony Ship stories for him as well as other works that he's done. Um, John Thornton, he is. An amazing person. He's such a sweetheart, amazing man. And I, I love, I love working with him. And he actually found me. I hadn't auditioned for him recently. Uh, I hadn't auditioned for him, but he contacted me after hearing one of my samples on the site and asked me if I would please audition for his, his book, you know, so he could hear my voice along with it. So I did. And again, you know, just starting out, he, he really gave me, he, he took a chance on me. You know, not being somebody who very amateurish at, at doing it. And I do feel I do owe a lot of my where I'm at to him because of the fact he, you know, he gave me he gave me a chance and, you know, still works with me. And it's it's a great it's a great working relationship. 
How have you improved to the point where you've become part of the upper echelon of ACX readers? I know in the beginning, I sort of would speed read a little bit. So I would, um, I was told by a couple authors, hey, you know, it sounds great. Can you just slow it down a little bit? Uh, so I started had to retrain myself to uh, read at a slower speed, which that was, that was difficult at first. Um, I've got it down now, and then I'm actually going to be starting production on another book where I sent in the sample, and the author said, "Could you read a little faster?" <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let me let me just recalibrate all of this, and then I would, you know, when books would go out for sale um, on Audible or any other platforms, I I do look at my reviews to see uh, listen to what uh, see what listeners are are saying and what what can I improve on. So I just try to take that and just, you know, keep, keep going with it. Describe your process. How do you record? Well, lately I have been taking vocal lessons. So before I start my, uh, my recording sessions, I'll be turning on my laptop, getting my mic ready, and I will be sitting there blowing raspberries or, you know, going up the, <laughs> the scales just to warm up my, my throat. Sometimes it takes me a minute. I'll have to read through a paragraph once or twice in whichever particular character I'm working on. Sometimes I'll have to go back and listen. What, what kind of voice was I giving this one? Just <laughs> to refresh myself and, and get myself the, the headspace for it. Throughout the day, I'm usually thinking about it and thinking, okay, uh, I need to work on this book today. I need to work on this one. So I'll be just in my head like, okay, this is the story. This is the character. This is who they are. To almost sort of put myself in their shoes and think, okay, no, I got to become them. I have to, I have to be this person. Describe your gear. I have a laptop, just a regular, I'm not even sure what it is, <laughs> um, but it's, and then I just have a basic Yeti microphone with a piece of foam over to drown out echo. And that's it. That's really all it is. I, I sit in my garage from 630 to sometimes midnight recording and and that's it you know i'll take you know a small lunch break in between here and there and that's that's about as much as it is it's really not you know it's i thought it was going to be i'm going to need all this expensive equipment i need you know a booth i need all these things which i do plan to upgrade things later but for right now my little rinky dink setup is working you know working just fine for me what software do you use uh, I use Audacity. Um, I just use the the basic the basic program, um, and I've learned you know in between when I don't you know if there's noise going by or something you know something that's disrupting my recording. Um, I try to take that opportunity to play with Audacity and learn different sound effects and just okay you know what can I add to the story because you know in the beginning I, I didn't add anything to it. I was too afraid to, I didn't know, I didn't want to mess anything up where now I've learned certain effects, you know, if somebody's dreaming, I add a reverberation effect, you know, so you realize it's in their mind. I've learned how to um, sort of pile my voice so you can hear two separate people speaking at the same time, um, which before that would have terrified me to attempt, but now you know, playing around with it and having done this so long, I thought I need to step it up. I need to add, I need to separate myself now from 
starting out and being, you know, amateur at amateurish at it. And, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm expert, but I, I definitely am much more comfortable with what I'm doing. And it's time for me to expand a little bit more and, you know, not have keep everything as, as basic as I had before. You're an excellent promoter. How did you learn to promote yourself? You know what? I just kind of started really just started winging it, winging it lately. Um, I had, uh, I had begun um, about a year or so ago networking with a lot of other voice actors on Instagram and just kind of going through looking at different, um, you know, people and, and what they're doing, their marketing strategies. And it was maybe about a month or two ago that something just dawned on me. I thought, why am I not networking with authors? And I just went through typing in all different types of authors that were on there. And just, I just started following, you know, all these people that I could. And I thought, okay, I, I once I did that, I began um, posting more clips, voice clips. And sure enough, from doing that, there were, I had two, two authors approach me and tell me that they, without even having to audition, that they would like for me to, to work on their books for them. So I thought, okay, this is, this is working. So I've just, I've really been trying to get more, more active as far as social media, um, you know, as many hashtags as I can to try to get it, you know, out there as, as far as I can. Um, putting more examples of my work because I thought, well, what, you know, what good is it going to do if, you know, how many of these people are really going to go out there and, and look me up on their own? I need to, I need to serve it to them, you know, for them, for them to uh, see it. And that's, I feel like that's been a major, a major part of this. Um, so I'm, I am looking forward to what well, I'm, I'm working on my, my website right now as well. So I'm getting that together, getting a few more things done and hopefully have that launched uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, so I can continue to, you know, be able to post that on everything and hopefully get more, more authors, you know, looking at me and get myself, you know, some more, some more work booked and make sure everything is, you know, in order. And I don't have to have to worry too much about, oh man, you know, work is slowing down. What do I do? Because it, it can get scary sometimes where um, if I don't have anything lined up on, I'm thinking, okay, well, I, you know, I got this to pay. I need this to pay. And if I don't have work coming in, you know, so, something's going to have to, something's got to give. So it's just, it's, it's a constant thing I'm working on where even sometimes my family is they're like, what are you doing on your phone? I'm marketing right now. I'm, I'm posting things. And they're like, it's dinner time. Can you put that? <laughs> <laughs> Katrina Medina is our guest. She's known as Katrina, the narrator. If you Google her <laughs> under that moniker, you will find all of her social media stuff. For those who don't know how ACX works, explain the financial side of your relationship with Amazon. So the way it works, there's about, there's about three different options. Um, the first one and the one that you're more likely to get when you're first starting out is a royalty share deal. So once the book goes out for sale, you get in the contract, it says you get 50% of the sale. Uh, but the fine print is that that 50% is split between you and Amazon. Uh, and, and the other 50% goes to the author. 
Um, so I make about about 20%, 25% or so of each book sale. So the bigger the book, the higher the price, the bigger my cut, my cut is. Uh, so I had begun looking for longer, longer books, thinking I, you know, I need to make this worth, make this worth my time if it's going to be royalty share, because that's not even a guarantee that you're going to make anything off of it. You could put all this work into it and it's not going to, you know, it might not pay out. Um, the other is the per finished hour rate where you will get a set um, fee for, so for example, if the book is three hours and they give you $50 an hour, um, you know, it, you'll, you'll get $150 at the end of the project. Uh, but that's only for the hours, the physical hours that they can see. Um, so that doesn't include, I, I've explained to people, one hour of audio takes me about two hours to do. So I'm not getting, you know, I'm not getting paid for that additional editing time. Um, it's only for what they can, they can physically see. Um, and then the third option is a mashup of the two. So where you will get royalty share as well as a fee for per finished hour, which lately now, because I have done so many and my name is out there a little bit more, um, when new authors do approach me and they try to do royalty share only with me, I will tell them, depending on my schedule I'll, and, and how well their book is actually ranked, I'll let them know I cannot do strictly royalty share. Would you be willing to do royalty share plus this much, uh, you know, per, per finished hour? So sometimes they're accommodating, sometimes not, you know, and I'm always open to trying to negotiate with them. Um, lately I've been doing mostly just the per finished hour rates. And then, you know, it, and it is nice. Uh, all the royalty share books that I took on in the beginning are definitely paying out for me now where, you know, I still get a nice, a nice check every month from, <laughs> from those while I'm working on my current projects. So it's just, I think it's about finding a good balance between the the projects where sometimes if I see my numbers starting to dwindle down a little bit, I will look for a royalty, sh uh, a royalty share contract for a book, that's, you know, pretty, pretty high ranking on, on Amazon, you know, thinking, okay, if this, this is doing well, maybe the audiobook should do well as, as well. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just about, I, I, I'll, I'll go off of personally what I'm in need of at the time. <laughs> What's your preference? Would you rather do a split or do you like the cash up front? I like doing the split because uh, it's, it is, it's definitely both best of both worlds <laughs> with that one. Um, because it is, it is nice to think, okay, you know, even if this book doesn't do too well, I still, you know, I still got something, you know, where when it's strictly rural to share, it's definitely a gamble for you. Uh, there was actually a book that I did. Um, last last fall, it was a bestseller. I don't remember what it was ranked at, but I auditioned for it, and I actually didn't think I was going to get it. It was a true crime book called Wilder Wilder Intentions, and I ended up getting contracted for it. And it was a, it was strictly royalty share, but I want to say that book has sold maybe close to it's somewhere between four thousand copies. 4,000, 5,000 copies, something like that. And I was just, I was so intimidated when I got the contract because I thought, oh, this is not a genre that I'm, I'm used to. And, you know, so I really tried, 
uh, as best as I could on that. That was actually one where a lot of the reviews I got, people were very mean about that one, where somebody said, I sound like I think I sound like I think I'm a news reporter. <laughs> and, I thought, and I thought, well, it's a true crime. It's not a story. I'm not a character. This happened. What do your five star reviewers say they like about you? Um, I think that I've had my I think one of my favorite ones was uh, it was definitely on on a steamy book where um, there was like a there was maybe about five stories within in the book and you left a review on each story as well as a review on me for each one. Um, I think it was for the final story in that in that book where he said uh, he didn't care for the story too much, but the narrator was great. So I didn't care. So true. A narrator can make <laughs> a good I, book I, great, definitely. Yeah. I had uh, one uh, I did. It was uh, the author. It was ba- actually based on her, her life um, about, you know, her decision to, to go through IVF. And, you know, it was a very emotional, emo- emotional story that I was really trying to capture for her. And uh, the reviews on that, some people didn't care too much for the story itself, but they're like, but the narrator was, was great. She made what otherwise would have been a mundane story, you know, that much, that much better. You know, they, the, I, I was the reason that they continued listening to it. So I thought, I'm like, you know, I felt a little bad for the author, but I'm like, but, but thank you for the compliment. Do you feel like the world is more competitive today than it was when you got into the business? Not as much, not as much. No, we're now, um, because I've been doing this so long, you know, when, when I started, you know, obviously before COVID, um, it it definitely felt like that where I thought, okay, I'm new. I need to prove myself. I need to really, you know, really, really show them. Um, once COVID hit and lockdown hit, there was just this boom on ACX of, of narrators trying to get in there. And I think the, I think what a lot of people thought is they could just go in there and that it was just quick, easy money. And, and it's not. When, when I started, I didn't know I was responsible for editing. I, I had no idea. I thought I just got to read a story. <laughs> um, you know, so it was, it was a major learning process for me. So seeing, even seeing that number jump up the way it did, I think there, it said that there were, there was about 3,000 books available for audition. And there were 26,000 narrators on the site. And, but I didn't feel intimidated by it because I had already established myself at that point. I had long-term work at that point. So I thought, well, even if I don't audition for anything, I'm already working on a handful of series that I've been, you know, I've been contracted for the whole thing. So it, it wasn't, for, for me, it wasn't too bad. And even now it's not, it's not too bad. Um, where I have so much more under my belt now that if, if there is a project that I, I really want, really have my eye on, I can throw that number around. Hey, this is how long I've been doing this. I have this many, this many books. This is, you know, I, my turnaround time, you know, I, I feel like my, my resume is, is very impressive to them. So, you know, I'd, you know, I feel, I do feel like, a People need to be a little more intimidated by me. <laughs> Do you have a favorite book that you've read? I think my favorite is 
uh, it was a story I did called Dear Anna. Um, off the top of my head, I cannot remember the, the author's name. Um, it was a woman who, at the beginning of the story, very beginning of the story, she catches her husband cheating on her. Um, but because of a prenup and everything she has signed, she cannot divorce him. Otherwise, she she is penniless. And he uses that to his advantage because she came from a really bad background, had no money growing up. So he, he manipulates her. Well, you can't leave me because, oh, you'll have nothing. You want to go back to that? So she thinks, well, there's got to be some way I can get out of this. So, of course, murder is the only reasonable option. So you can just, throughout the story, sense her just slowly losing her mind and, you know, justifying everything that she's doing. You know, she's breaking into homes, she's spying on people, planting evidence. And, you know, in her head, she's like, okay, you know, this is all right. This is all going according to plan. And it almost, you know, it, it definitely makes you feel bad for her. Like she, you know, everything she's doing, she feels like it's, she's being within her, within her rights to do and that it's, there's nothing wrong with this. (laughs) And it was a very emotional story. There was a lot of anger and sadness in it, which those are always really fun to do. I like when I get to cry in the stories. (laughs) So that one I felt was one of my favorites because it it was a, a performance that I really enjoyed doing. I really got into the story with that one. Dear Anna, written by Katie Blanchard, is available on audible.com right now on, and on Amazon. And it's narrated by our guest, Katrina Medina, who is at 470 audiobooks as of this week. An incredible career, which when you consider it began in, 4, in 2018, 19, 20, 21, in the space of three years. How long does it take you? You said it takes you two hours for every one hour completed. So, so for yeah, a 50,000 word book, how long of a project is that? I think something like that. If nothing is, if nothing is hindering me and I can just work through, that would maybe take me a minimum of maybe five hours to do. So typically what I do when I do have uh, a handful of books, um, I'll kind of go in order of their deadline and I'll make, you know, the, the soonest one, the priority, and I will make sure I get an hour of audio produced for it each day. And then I will slowly focus on, you know, the smaller ones and, you know, just, just so I'm not completely overwhelming myself or because personally I, I do start to kind of get bored reading the same story for so long. So I, I have to switch it up for myself just to keep myself awake. And, you know, even, you know, even with the most interesting story I do at one point, I'm like, okay, I don't want to read anymore. So it's nice to have several in the pipeline so you can change things up. Exactly. So I can be, I can be doing a, a steamy, a steamy read and then switch it up. And I'm a gnome. In, in a fairy tale, you know, for the next hour after that. <laughs> who are your favorites? Who else do you like to listen to? Uh, you know what? I don't listen to too many audiobooks myself, but I, uh, when I was working at the grocery store and I would close uh, most of my shifts, so, you know, we would have to do go backs and I would listen to um, creepypastas 
I don't know if you're familiar with those. So I would listen to creepy pastas. Um, I had to stop because I started scaring myself. Where <laughs> where I would be doing go backs and somebody would come up from behind me while I was listening and I <laughs> I would jump. Uh, and then also, um, if I'm doing chores or something around the house, um, I like to listen to Bailey Sarian on YouTube. She does a, uh, every Monday or so, she has a new topic of a, it is called Murder, Mystery, and Makeup Monday. So she does her makeup while talking about a serial killer or murder mystery. And it's the way she tells it, it's it's like a friend sitting there with you. Have you ever thought about doing video? Uh, I have. I have thought about that. I'm not. I'm still throwing some ideas around for myself. It's definitely difficult because I, I do have a, a four-year-old son at home. So finding the time to do some of these projects is almost non-existent. <laughs> Um, but he's going to be starting school actually in a couple weeks. So I'm hoping after I get some things taken care of um, and I have that free time, I will probably be working on more content or trying, yeah, definitely trying to expand some more. So five years from now, what does success look like for Katrina Medina? Success for me would be being able to move into my own place. I'm currently living with my husband and his family. Um, to have my, my nice setup, my nice booth and my own little library, my own little personal library in the house. That's, that's when I know I can, I can have a a whole room dedicated just to all my books. (laughs) That, that for me, that's when, when I can make that, I know I did it. (laughs) Share with our listeners how they can find you on social media. Um, you can find me on social media on Instagram uh, as Katrina the narrator. Uh, also, I am on LinkedIn under Katrina Medina. Uh, same thing um, under my Facebook as well. Um, I am still working on my website. So once that's ready to go, I will have the link uh, posted up on on Instagram and, and LinkedIn. So if anybody is listening and would be interested in, in collaborating, they can they can definitely find me on there or DM me. I'm always, always looking through those and answering. Katrina Medina, a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited. That was so fun. Authors on the Air can be found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. We invite you to explore the many other podcasts that focus on the craft aggregated at the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Our theme music was written by Pavlo Butorin. I'm Terry Shepard, and I'll see you in the next chapter.